I, I will tell anyone for all the hate he gets or whatever BS he that guy is great for golf. We got to be yeah. thankful that Agreed. DJ Khaled came and found golf. Amazing. The enthusiasm is real. And welcome back. Welcome aboard another Par Train. I'm one of your co-hosts, Evan Singer. I got Matt Cermak with me. What's up, Ev? It's great to be back. And that was a great episode. That was an incredible episode. Probably one of my favorite interviews we've done in a little while. Jerry Ferrara, probably know him as Turtle from Entourage, a dream come true for me. Entourage has been one of my favorite shows um, forever. But before we get to that interview, if your golf game is off the rails and you're sick of riding that struggle bus, you've come to the right place. We help frustrated golfers enjoy the ride again because if you can learn to smile through bad golf, you can smile through anything, guys. We unpack the mental game with anyone from a PJ Tour pro to a movie star, TV star, turtle, like today with Jerry Ferrara, to make the hardest game in the world feel easy and help you finally get back on track. We're pumped to share. This episode is presented by Roback Activewear, our friends at Roback. And they just dropped. Um, It's killing me because in Europe, I can't get it. Um, and you, and you need it. I need it. <laughs> so it's killing me. I got to wait till I get home to get the package. But they just dropped the two things I've been waiting for maybe more than any any new drop. They just dropped crew neck sweatshirts, so no hood, which you know is my favorite, most versatile garment. Throw it over the polo. You can wear that to a nice dinner. You can wear that at happy hour. You can wear that on the course. You can wear it anywhere. You can wear it on its own as more of a casual workout wear if you want. It's I got agree. everything. I agree. And they just dropped golf pants with belt loops, stretchy. Oh, I've been waiting for these pants with belt loops for a very long time. Ev, you're going to laugh. I don't even own a pair of golf pants right now. I, had th I threw them out at the start of the season. I've been wearing shorts. I know Chicago, we've got My some God. great weather coming up, but at the same time, it's only going to last for so long. And have you noticed about the, all this fall new gear in Roback? I've got my herringbone, you know. Q-zip, yep. Q-zip. It's almost October. I don't wear this in the summer. I'm ready. I can't wait to get these pants because, one, I need them, and two, they look awesome, right? So, um, guys, check out Roback.com. So, Roback.com, enter the code TRAIN, get 15% off. Get some crew necks. Get some pants. Get some new polo designs. Maybe throw in a Q-zip. Like, this is probably the time. Get the cues load up because their sizes will run out. Um, they they sell out quick. So thank you to Roback as always. All right, let's get to this interview with Jerry. This was, I think this interview went even better than we could have expected. I think this was such a fun interview. Yeah. We dove into his game, and I want to tell you, you guys gotta stay patient because not only are you gonna get amazing that's actually a theme. Stay patient. Yeah, yeah totally. <laughs> we go really deep on an area that he's worst at in his game and the area that he's best at. And we figure out some patterns that you might figure out the same thing exist in your game, right? He does some very relatable common things. He's a 13 handicap. He loves golf. And at the end, we go deep into some entourage questions as well. So this is like, this episode gives you a little bit of everything, right? It gives you the fun yeah. of entourage and some DJ Khaled stories Oh, yeah. Mark Wahlberg stories, Tom Brady stories, but also we're going to help you become a better golfer too. Absolutely. Uh, Jerry's just such a cool, passionate, energetic guy. Everything you've seen, you know, uh, of him in front of the camera. I, and he's a, he's a golf nut. Like he was practicing a short game for 40 minutes before he hopped on the show. He's playing tomorrow at Firestone and he's got a really good swing. He's a 13 handicap. He took up golf later in life. 
And it's such a great conversation because I think we were talking a lot about like, you know, we joked, can you get to a three handicap? But the conversation went around, what does getting to an eight handicap look in it? And really, you know, it's really good nuggets and information he provides, you know, kind of long game versus short game, decision-making out of the trees. It's all stuff you guys know about and hear about, but I guarantee this is going to click for a lot of you because you're going to really relate. And uh, we really share a lot of good ideas and strategies um, around course management, attitude, emotion. So such a cool interview. So, uh, so cool to meet, uh, to meet Jerry and have him on. Yeah, it was, it was awesome. So follow him at Jerry Ferrara on Instagram, Twitter, all the things. And if you guys like this episode, do us a solid, give us a review at Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Hop aboard the email newsletter on thepartrain.com. We send that out for free every Monday with one simple tip. Um, you also get first access to merchandise drops. And we're going to be doing a new, we got some fun stuff coming. We've got a drop coming probably in the next month. And then I'm going to start designing, we might do the first ever restock of Enjoy the Ride Hats. Um, we've I mean, never done those a good hats or what? They're incredible. You might have to get one yourself. I know you like the dad hats, but by signing up to the email newsletter, you okay. get first access to merchandise drops. So keep your eyes there and uh, YouTube at the part train, Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram at the part train. We just hit 80,000 on Instagram. So join oh. in, join in, join the fun. I'm Hop on board a ton of Scott stuff. So become a passenger. Yeah. You know, people said we should call everybody parsingers. What do you think about that? I don't love it, but you know, uh, I'm open <laughs> to discussions. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I'm trying to make it work. It does sound a little weird, but we'll like see. I said, don't love it, but we can talk. Um, we'll see. DM us on Instagram and tell us if you like passenger or passenger better. So no matter where they go, no matter if you're playing Firestone or your local Muni, if you're hitting snap hooks or high rights, what do they got to do, sir? Just enjoy the ride. Enjoy the ride, guys. Take care. Jerry Ferrara, welcome aboard the par train, my man. We're pumped to have you. I am happy to be here. Couldn't be more excited to talk golf, football, whatever you want to go. I'm going to go with you, wherever you want to go. Well, we're pumped for your first ride on the train. And this, something crazy happened this morning, Jerry. We always try and think about how can we start the interview unique and in a fun way for our guest. And I couldn't believe this. This morning, it hit me. Look at this picture on on my Instagram. Oh shit! I've got the. Oh, you background. got your green screen on. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Hold on. Oh, all right. on. I think I saw some of it. It's like a slow reveal. It? Hold on. This will be funny. Let's see if I can get them through. There There's, we go. I see. There's it's, Max. Is that you and Max Greenfield. That's me and Max. Well, let's see if we can get them. Boom. There he is. <laughs> is that a real photo, or did you Photoshop yes. that? <laughs> no, that is real. So, I totally forgot that we have met back in like 2014, 2015. I forget what year I was working at the NFL and you came and did the celebrity draft with yeah. Scott Porter, Max Greenfield, and many others. And I was at the draft and we got a picture. You and know, so I, could, I, I remember that. I remember that night. And also I had seen that photo for, I just, my God, I was in such good shape back then. I missed <laughs> those days when I could work out at my own leisure. Uh, I do all see day some guns on this photo. Really good shape, man. That, yeah, that's a good 10 years ago almost. I'm, I've hit a downward spiral since then with a fantastic dad bod I think I have now. Nothing to do but, with the kids, right, Jerry? No, nothing to do with the kids. And I want to say that year in that league, uh, I think I lost in the Super Bowl to, I want to say maybe it was like Bobby Flay or someone else that was there. And then okay. 
Michael Fabiano, who was running it at the time. I think I got like kicked out of the league. I never got invited back. I never know why. And I give him a lot of crap on Twitter, like what happened. And also I now hate fantasy football. So, but I do remember that night. That was a lot of fun. That draft. Do you not play anymore? I'm, I'm down to one league. Cause yeah. I still feel like I mean, I've been doing fantasy since literally I was 13 years old. So 1992 fantasy baseball when I'd be the guy scoring it with the USA today in class while I was supposed to be doing schoolwork. Yep. And uh, I just think that I've also been betting since I was like 12. And I think betting is just a lot more fun. As you know, I don't know how many people have drafted a chain or a king, however he says his name. And it's just so stupid and random that yeah. uh, I, I don't like it anymore. Yeah. I used to be in 15 leagues back right. when that was my job. It's too many. And now too I'm many. in zero. This is my first time I've ever been zero since I was like 11. And how do you feel? That's what I mean. I I I, I was about to go z. Yeah, I was about to go zero, but I'm like, all right, let me just. I stuck in my one that I think it's a really competitive one. So, so I'll I think say I'm this. Done after this, I felt FOMO around the draft. But granted, I don't know if you've seen our Instagram. I'm living in Scotland for four weeks, yeah. so I'm in yeah. St Andrews right now. So that was a perfect excuse. I'm like, I'm not watching games. I'm not seeing anything. And the last few years, I never take the time to do the waiver wire and I get behind and I finish yeah. in the lower end of the pack. So it actually feels great to just follow what you want to follow. You don't have to worry about your players, but oh. it's a departure so, yeah, for doesn't sure. Doesn't even have a team too out in LA. I, mean, I don't even have a team. Not even doesn't even love the sport anymore. I know you're like, kind of in I do like love a, the sport, <laughs> but it's weird. I've like no diverted. I've like gone back to like early two thousands. I actually prefer to see like a sports center highlights. Give me like, Keep me updated on what's going yeah. on, but I'd rather like be out and about on a Sunday or play golf than sit down and watch, you know, three hours of a game. But so yeah, a couple of things too. I'm, you mentioned, you know, you got a little envious around draft time. See, that's what kills it for me because the draft was always the best part. You mentioned that yeah. one league, we're all in person. We're all talking trash, go out to dinner afterwards. We would watch the Monday night games together and hate on each other. And that's just gone. You're drafting on your computer or your phone and even like the group chats, which are supposed to be trash talk, all the good stuff you get on the golf course because you're in real life with people. It's just not there. It feels like no one cares. I feel like I'm playing against faceless robots and that don't do it for right. me. And now you factor in if you do three or four leagues, now you factor in your bets because it's legal almost everywhere. Now there's an additional thing that you have to like root for and against. It's like, yeah, I need Tyree kill here. But I also have, you know, I have the under. So I just, I'm full betting. I have my one league. This will be it for me, though, Matt and Evan. I'm hanging it up. I'm hanging wow. it up after this year. Wow. Glory's last shot. Well, speaking <laughs> of football, Cermak has got a fun question for you. Okay. All right, Jerry, what's more likely to happen in the next 10 years? The Knicks win an NBA final, the Giants win a Super Bowl, or Jerry Ferrara becomes a three handicap? Great question. We didn't uh, put scratch. Because yeah. I know you're an eight, correct? Or no, no you're a 13. No. I'm a 13. Yeah, so that's You're that's 13, so that's a 10. You can do it. That's it can a 10-shot jump in 10 years. How many years? 10 years? 10 years. Oh, The Knicks will never win an NBA final. Because we know about that. <laughs> MJ knows about that. Scotty knows about that. But let's get back oh, to it. Go ahead. <laughs> you're, you're killing me first, Matt, right there. Because that's what I probably want the most. If you could ask me which one of oh. those things do I want the most, it's sure. not close. It's the Knicks. I think it's realistic that the Giants would probably would win the Super Bowl over those three things in ten years. Uh, you can't, why can't you Giants get to kind of win the Super Bowl? At, why can't I get to it? Number you one, you were just practicing your short game before this show. I mean, 
I have a four-year-old and a two-year-old. So maybe in five years, I get more golf time. But right right now, I'm down to like once a week. I, I'm living in freaking Ohio. So it's yeah. five and a half months a year of like consistent golf. If I was and back less. in LA, maybe. And um, I don't know. You guys know. how Going from a 13 to a three, how much work that is. I just don't yeah. know if I have the man. And I still have to actually work and support these kids. I don't know if there's enough hours for me. I started golf too late to really get down to a three. I started when I was almost 30. So, well, you know what? You should good do, that you're Jerry. 13. Oh. Yeah. You should listen to our podcast with Danny Woodhead. Yeah. Uh, he came on the show recently. Love he Danny went Woodhead. from a five to a plus five in like five years. And now he's staying in a plus five and getting even better. And he like actually really broke it down. But let's dig into your game a little bit because obviously we're a mental game show. Yep. We're going to talk about entourage stuff too, as I'm sure we um, move on. But I heard you tell the subpar guys, and they've been on the show a few times. Um, your short game's good. Yep. You know, you're just Stop. practicing your chipping. We know your son practices his swing all the time. He's a positive he influence it. on your game. It seems yes. like. Yes. Um, w- tell us about your game, and tell us why you play the game. Okay. Uh, I will try not to take up the whole show, but I'll give you a little backstory. I grew up in Brooklyn, New York, and I, you know, raised by a single mother, but my uncle, who was a very prominent male figure in my life, has oh, has loved golf for a long time. He used to beg me to come play golf with him when I was 10, 11, 12. And at that time, it was, you know, golf was definitely not popular in Brooklyn, New York. It was all go to the park, play hoops you know, baseball. And that's what I did. I ignored it. It wasn't until I was about 28 years old while filming entourage, we got a full swing golf simulator in there in the, it was in the house that our characters lived at. So in between takes, we would go mess around. It was like a video game to me. Uh, but I started getting addicted a little bit. And Kevin Dillon, who played Johnny drama, he's been golfing for a long time. He's a legit single digit handicap. His dad, his dad was golf coach at Fordham, I believe. So golf is kind of in his family. The members at winged foot forever. So him and I on our lunch breaks would start, he, he started bringing to a par three. We get a two hour lunch break. It's like, come on. And we'd go play quick, like six holes on a par three. And then I just caught the bug and went full in. So I started playing that way. And I would say at this point now, what, why I play it's at 43. I, I still love to play hoops and all that. I'm a torn Achilles waiting to happen. I just feel like it's a ticking time bomb. And not that you can't get hurt playing golf. Cause I have, I actually got blasted in the shin with a straight <laughs> shot last week from another fairway on the first hole. Oh, I almost want to show you on the zoom, how nasty this cut is. I, we literally tee off on the first hole. We're driving for a ball. I just hit one shot and then not even a four, nothing from under the tree. So someone hit a low punch bullet. I was coming in probably 85 miles now, ripped a layer of skin off my shin bone. So you can get hurt playing golf. Oh God. Direct but, uh, hit I, on the bone. Direct oh. hit. And luckily I was playing with my neighbor who's a doctor. And I'm like, dude, is it broke? Do I have to go get stitched up? And he said, you probably could use two stitches, but do you want to stop playing? And I said, fuck no, we <laughs> play on. So I went and got a first aid kit, wrapped it up. And I think I put up a gritty 87 on a, on one leg. It's while like Tiger. It's like Tiger at the U.S. Open. While it was bleeding onto my Jordan 1 golf shoes. Uh, but for now, it's I just think it's the way it, it, it's hard at 43 with kids and all that to really see your friends and to really keep that camaraderie. We mentioned it with fantasy football. 
no one really has time to draft like we used to and spend all that time. So if I could once a week in the summer, know I'm going out there. I'll have a little money match with my rotating group of eight friends. That's really why I'm out there. And I love to compete with myself, but I also love to compete against them. And it's to feel that sense of, you know, camaraderie and friendship. You smoke a cigar, you have a drink, and then you're home by four o'clock and you could still be a great dad. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's so, great. Go ahead. Go ahead, sir. Okay. Um, so you talked about, you know, your good short game, maybe not the best off the tee. Yes. Um, you know, a lot about what we talk about in this show, Jerry, is the mental game. So yes. there's probably a certain physical component to that, but there's mm -hmm. also probably a mental component to that. Yeah. Um, so maybe talk about that dynamic, but also we'd love to hear from you when you hear the term mental game, like what does that mean to you? Like, how do you, how do you digest that? As someone who has spent a lot of time focusing on mental, everything, mental health, and even with acting, um, acting is a, to me about getting in the right mental mindset. Like if this scene calls for anger, you know, you got to tap into that part. If this scene calls for sadness, all that stuff. So I think mental with acting is also 90% of the battle, but uh, I'll give you the brief example of why I know it's all mental. Two things with off the tee for me that absolutely screw my head up. One, I'm like a groundhog. What I mean by that is when I see my shadow on the tee box with driver, it, no matter what I'm thinking about, it's an instant snap hook. I, I like watch my back. So I watch my shadow instead of the ball. And I even have time in my, in my back when I say, oh my God, that looks terrible. And I just give up on it. And it's an instant snap hook. That's all mental. Why am I looking at my shadow? Why does that dictate me always say, I, pay a, I play a fade 90% of the time. Uh, and the other mental part for me is, look, I, I'm so wild off the tee, but I know I have a little squeeze fade that only goes about 240, 245, but it's controlled. It's a fairway finder. If I play that way, I'll be in the low 80s to mid 80s all the time in my short game, but play with some long hitters. You want to hit that draw that goes 275. And at some point I will go for it. It even happened the other day. I'm playing a great round, hitting all fairways. And it just, it was a draw hole. And I said, fuck it, let her rip. And I hit a snap hook out of bounds. I made an eight and the wheels come off. So it's all, it's all, it's a lot physical, obviously, if you're muscle memory and that. But for me at this point, getting down from a 13 to an eight, that's, that's going to be all mental, I think. Yeah. And Jerry, do you think, then to flip it to the short game, because I love that description and it's so relatable. Um, flip it to the short game, you know, you just feel like there's just a more consistent level of confidence and just there's a creativity there. Uh, to talk about that. Yeah, I, I think honestly, too, a lot of it has come. I'm a video game nut and I played a lot of Tiger Woods. That's why I'm awesome on a golf simulator. If you watched me on a golf simulator, you'd be like, oh, this dude's like a six. He's a legit. I'm a six on a golf sim. Because it's like a video game to me. So the short game, you know, I've done all those crazy shots on like Tiger Woods and now on like PGA 2K. So I, I see the picture a lot more and I'm, I feel like I'm able to execute the shot. I'm able to think about it and execute it. And when I'm on the tee box, you know, it's a longer swing. It's with a driver. The margin of error is huge. I just don't have the confidence, but short. And also I think because I started so late, you know, I was always missing greens. I was always in trees having to punch out. That's just the part of my game that got the most work. Sure. And um, 
you know, getting up and down for that bogey and not making a seven is the way I stay in the eighties. Otherwise I'd probably be a much higher handicap. Well, let's, let's talk about the sim for a second, because I want to know what makes it a video game for you. Like, obviously I know it's in a screen, but mentally, how do you view the shots? Because there might be something in there that you could take to the course that could actually translate. Well, Completely agree. Hey, there's no shadow. So that helps me out a lot. The sun doesn't ever backlight me. So I, I, the groundhog shots go away, but I, I think it's, it's all mental. It's the, if you hit a bad shot, who gives a shit? You're on a simulator. You can hit the button and load up another one right away. No one's judging. You don't even really know how bad of a shot is. You could almost say, ah, that was bad, but was it that bad? I'm on a sim. Right. Maybe I would have got a better hop. So I just think it takes all the pressure off. But to Matt's earlier question and point, it just shows you how mental it is. I think if I could tap into, you know, if you hit a terrible shot, who gives a shit? You, who cares? You know, just load up and hit right. another one. I think I'd be much better served. But I, I have not been able to do that on the course just yet because I am I put, especially if I'm only like two over after six, I'm like, okay, I'm going to sniff the 70s today. And it just will fall apart. I know it's going to fall apart at some point. And I have to retrain that level of thinking. So it sounds like it's not just seeing a shadow and hitting a snap hook. It sounds like it's after the snap hook, the round changes. Is that fair? After the snap hook, I yes. If Usually if I'm able to still somehow recover and make a five, get lucky and make a four, or still make a five, like I'll, I'll keep the mojo. But Because then, you know, you hit a terrible snap hook and now I'm a sucker for the hero shot. So, all right, you got 189, terrible lie, uphill green, bunkers everywhere. <laughs> yeah, sure, hit the five iron. Try and try and get on when you should just take the medicine, punch out with a seven, and you know you're going to lock in your five. It happened to me last week. You know, I had, a, I had a terrible drive. I had a chance to just take my medicine. I went for the hero shot, and I made an eight. So, uh, it's, so it's so funny, it's Jerry. You and I are different with these two things. I like my shadow. I always have. Oh, to, to me, it's a it's a guy. We've never talked about a shadow. Yeah, we've never talked this about show, shadow. This is something I thought deep. about a lot, it. a lot as a kid. So I grew up playing. Jerry, I played in college. So I actually really liked the sunny days. But in the Midwest, you know, we're Midwest guys. You are now. You get a little bit of everything. I need, play. Yeah, I need the shade. <laughs> but the simulator, I feel like I can't hit the ball anywhere on a simulator, especially with the driver. And I, I've heard that from others, but that's something in my in my head <laughs> that I need your help to get through because. Like I suck on a simulator. <laughs> Honestly, I just, I, I could literally on the sim, close my eyes and swing as hard as I, and I will swing as hard as I could and have complete control of the ball. I don't, I don't ever swing as hard as I could on a golf course. That's like the worst thing to do for a, you know, a 13 handicap, you know, you got to try and keep it in control. I don't know. I, and I often like when I see the shadow on the tee box and I'm already shaking my head and I hit the bad shot. And when I turn back to friends or people I'm playing with, I'm like, anybody else? I see the shadow. I fall apart. Everyone looks at me like I'm fucking crazy. Like, no, never really thought about that. Thanks for putting that in my head because I've never thought about that till now. So I'm like putting it in people's heads. I hope I don't mess with your game. Ev, so want to chime in here for you? Yeah. So what <laughs> what is a worst case scenario for you? Like, do you ever go to the golf course worrying about a certain miss or a certain course of events? Like, is it are you thinking about the shadow and the snap hook? going into the round? Um, 
No, I'll tell you, because I, I always start off, because that's the beautiful thing about golf. When you start, it's a clean slate, right? You can really yeah. forget about that last round because there's no rhyme or reason. I, you could shoot an 82 and then you can go, I can go out and shoot a, you know, a 94 and within a day of each other. So every day I, when I go out, it's a clean slate. I'm playing tomorrow. I'm not thinking about shadows and snap hooks and I'll hit the range and it'll be great. But it's usually when I, you know, a couple of holes in. And if I do see a sunny day, I'm like, okay, well, right now the sun's on this side, so I'm good. But at some point when, you know, twists and turns of a course, it's going to happen. And then I don't know about you guys too. This is maybe probably more physical than mental, but it is a little bit mental. I also lose a little bit of steam in the middle six, like six through 12. Usually I, cause I start to get a little loose. I'll start swinging a little harder. Cause I feel good, catch a shadow, make a bad score. And then, Six through 12, I'm like catatonic almost. And then I get my rhythm back for the last six, and I usually finish strong. But uh, not when I, when I start around, I'm not really thinking about it. But at some point within the first six holes, the shadow thing will enter my brain. So funny, these tendencies. We all deal with them in just different well, ways. This is so <laughs> This is so interesting, Jerry. So let me break this down. So as a 13 handicap, that means that if you play well, you'll shoot mid-80s. Like if you play really well, you'll shoot an 85, 84, yep. right? Yeah, that's a good, that's a great round. That's a really strong round for me. Yeah. The only difference between a 13 and an eight is your high rounds. So you'll sprinkle in, you'll, you'll limit. Well, I guess the 94s get thrown out. Um, Or what's, what's your high high? Like what's. If you have yeah, a really bad a day or you, if I shoot a 94, it's like that, that was, a, that's pretty much as bad as it gets. Okay. And then depending on the course, of course, if it's like a first time course playing from the tips or the, you know, I, I sometimes accept the bad score cause you're learning a course, but if it's a course I know, and I go out and put up a 94, it's like, yeah, that was, that was terrible. Okay. So I guess what I'm, what I'm getting to is we've gotten hundreds of messages of golfers just like you that have gotten down to an eight. Pretty easily. Hmm. Um, so actually, the jump, Serm, keep me honest on what you think here, but the jump from a 13 to a single digit is actually just eliminating decisions, bad decisions, and understanding what you need to do in moments where you get into trouble, right? So like, what is something when you see the shadow, what should Jerry think about and focus on instead? I actually don't think it's necessarily a bad thing to swing hard. You might learn through trial and error that swinging hard is actually a good thing, where if you're trying to control it, you might actually be swinging tentatively. We don't know. We'd have to test that stuff. But I would sense that getting clearer on um, decision-making, so not going for the hero shots, taking bogeys, um, understanding your misses, not having the round get away from you after a snap hook, and understanding what causes the snap hook, right? I would imagine most snap hooks are getting quick in the mm -hmm. transition. So that's the type of stuff. I actually don't think it'd be that hard for you to get to a single digit handicap. Uh, look, I, I, I understand that logic. And, and again, it's, you're right. And it's things I've, I've literally set reminders to pop up in my phone, <laughs> like hit the fade. <laughs> if you see, if, you know, when you see the shadow, Try to just hit your fade, and even if you do pull a little bit, your miss is not as bad. But when that one snap hook comes out, I just get so pissed. 
Because look, you could play a I could play a miss right if I block it a little bit right. As long as there's no crazy hazards, it's still out there. Two twenty, two thirty. You could still make a number. But those snap hooks, it just could go anywhere. It could be anywhere. It could be on other fairways. It could be behind a rock. It could be anywhere. And it just, it drives me absolutely wild. Well, which you can't play golf that way. Right. I mean, we've all struggled with the driver big time. Everybody does. Do you, after that snap hook, do you ever, do you see maybe another one? Do you pull out a three wood? Or do you just continue with the driver? Because I think what Ev was trying to get at, and I guess I'll put a bow on that, is how do you, how do you figure out the stressful situations, right? Like, yeah. and make the right decision. And I'm just, cu- just curious how you kind of try to get through it. Uh, there's a stubbornness to me that also, if I hit the snap hook, I'll, I'll stick with driver. And then also I'm, I'm, and I'd love your guys take on this too. Cause one thing I think mentally I've done good with well with is like, look, I'm not a big guy. I'm five, seven in shoes. I don't have a ton of swing speed. My best pop, if I absolutely nut the ball and baby draw 270, if I get everything I have. So, and you know, I play with some guys that have been playing for a long time and the long hitters. I've gotten really good with not even looking at their drives. That's like, great. It's just territory. I'm not, I don't swim in those waters. Okay. So I've gotten really good about, about that part of it, but after the snap hook to then get on the next tee box, you know, I hit my three wood. If I absolutely crush it, it's like 220, 225. I'm, and I'm, I'm just looking at it like you're now you're really giving up a lot of distance for sure. But you know, like it's, it's definitely easier to control and takes the big miss out. And that's something I probably need to, to just accept. Like similarly how I accepted that. Don't look at the long hitters shots. Don't worry if you're still, if you hit the three when you're still 200 out, make your five and get out of there. All right, stay seated. We're going to take a quick break and I'll get you right back to the show. I've been talking about Whoop a little bit these past few weeks. They're our new partner. I'm so excited about them, not just because of the partnership for us, but more importantly, because the partnership for you guys. I can't imagine my life without my Whoop band anymore. I get so excited to look at my sleep stats when I wake up, but they just dropped this brand new feature that is incredible. It is called the Whoop Coach. It's powered by AI. And I literally asked it, some of you might've seen me post it on on Instagram. I literally typed in, why is golf good for me? And it listed out like five reasons why it's great for your health. And it actually even used my own data from rounds that I've played and I've entered golf into the app. Now, the coolest thing, I don't even have to enter golf into the app. It knows that I'm playing golf somehow because of the movement on my wrist. And so it knows my health data based on the round and the days that I play golf. And it's really good for my health. So the fact that I would have never known that if I didn't have a whoop band blows my mind. Everybody needs a whoop band. Roy McElroy wears it and he smoked us in the Ryder Cup. What else do you need to know? So go to join.whoop.com slash par train. And guess what? You don't have to spend a dime. I'll get you a free whoop for a month. No risks. If you hate it, send it back. No money down. No problem. But I'm telling you, you won't. It's literally changed the way I think about my own health. So join.whoop.com slash par train and get yourself a free whoop for a month. All right, let's get back to the show. Jerry, when I see the, I hit it left, I, the flashing sirens go on in my head too. Like it's, I just cannot, I hate it so much, but if I actually stop and think about in between shots or 
It's like, that was just a mental breakdown. I was trying to hit a draw when I'm a fader like you, or I just stepped on it or I, something happened on the last hole that I'm, I carried over with. But so it's like getting back to like, okay, doesn't mean you should put the driver away, but it was a mental breakdown. Focus yeah. on your routine, focus on the next hole. Cause it has nothing to do with the previous shot, but also on some of the shorter par fours, maybe later in the round, that's an opportunity to mix in the hybrid or the three wood just yeah. because they're usually tighter holes and you maybe don't have the control that day. So that that's kind of my take on it. Yeah. I, I, and I could do it. Like I said, I know I've done it before with separating myself. I, I played with a guy last week who, I mean, he was in the three thirty. It just was like a crazy ball flight. I didn't even look at him. He probably thought I was a dick. I was barely talking to him. Not because he's not, he's a wonderful guy. I just, I, right. I don't want to root for you and watch your shit. Cause it's going to make me want to do something I physically cannot do. And I need to implement that with these other parts that we're talking about. But an eight seems still like I'm years away, but I, I trust you guys. <laughs> huh? You'd be shocked by how many yeah. people can go down with just one change. Um, let me ask you this, Jerry. You seem to be good around the greens. What do you think is the biggest difference in your uh, approach? Like walk me through what's in your head. What do you look at? What do you think about? What's your approach? What are you focused on when you've got a a 30-yard pick shot around the green versus what do you think about? What do you focus on? What do you do on the tee box? Let's see if there's any differences there. This will be a good exercise for the listeners to think about too. So for me, um, I'm a I'm a very confident putter. I feel like if I get inside eight feet, I'm making it. And look, I don't, I don't make most eight footers, you know, but I, I, I just, you got that feeling. I have that feeling. I I want that. Even if I miss it, look, if you 30, 30 yard little pitch chip shot, eight feet for really good players is not, is not a great result for me. That's not a terrible result. You know, usually locks in par or bogey. uh, If it's not a disaster hole. And I just feel like I'm going to make putt. So I focus on like, you know, to get it with less than 10 feet and you're going to make the putt. And I genuinely believe it. And I just have so much confidence. And this way, if you miss it 12 feet, you're not walking up like, oh, what a terrible, you idiot. It's a dumb shot. It's like, okay, it's a little longer than I needed, but maybe we make it because I'm such a confident putter. And three putts to talk about the mental part. I do uh, check out the next hole if I, if I do miss a dumb four-footer or just a terrible three putt. I do the next hole is almost like it's a double bogey. Right. Mm. You know, if I take, I got something for you, Jerry. So you're really, you've got a really good, you know, what you consider a really good short game. You're a great pitcher because you know, you're a good confident putter, right? Yes. So, so that it, it, it kind of goes back. It almost goes backwards for you. So it's like, if you're off the tee. Okay. And you, and you, you hit one of the trees like y'all do. Not only am I, do I like to be a hero from the trees, but you can just say to yourself, I'm the smartest, most efficient guy from the trees. So you're going, cause you're going to miss fairways. It just happens. We all do it. Most of the, it's a lot of the day, but it's like, okay. So if I do go there, I know that I'm going to make the smartest decision compared to anybody else out here. Yeah. Right. And I'm going to get out. So it's just like, how can you kind of go backwards that way? Because we're just going to miss fairways. It's just, well, if I, if I take it even you know? further backward, um, look, if I have an eight iron in my hands or less, give me eight, nine pitch or any wedge. I could live with that. I really do feel like it's going to be on the green. It might not be tight, but I'll, and I'll have a putter in my, it's really in seven iron, you know, it's really when I get down to six, five, 
I don't even carry a four anymore and hybrid and woods because similar to the driver driver. And I'm sure a lot of high or mid handicaps struggle with this. I just don't have. So if I hit that bad snap hook and then I'm like, all right, I got 180. I mean, theoretically I could get the five iron there or a hybrid there. It's risky. I compound the error as opposed to saying, you know what? Punch a seven out, leave yourself 90 or whatever. And you know what that you and you're great from hundred in. Yeah. Yes. I, so I, I get, just, but it's hard to do that. Yeah, I yeah. want to still try to get the birdie. Or here's you know, the, here's a crazy here's here's yeah. a crazy stat for you, Jerry. This blew our minds when we heard it. Uh, we had Lou Stagner. I don't know if you follow him on Twitter. Yep. Mm -hmm. Um, eighty percent of tour pros, tour pros that hit it in the trees make bogey, on average, over eighty percent. Wow. And I think we've all had those moments where we've hit the miracle shot, and right. we still try and make par. And Sermon and I have talked about on the show how even the mindset, it might feel counterintuitive because you're like, why wouldn't I try and make par? Like, why am I settling? Right. But actually the mindset of trying to make bogey makes you more conservative. And that would be a really interesting. And it could lead to more par chances because you, yeah. it, you get out, you knock it on, you have at least a putt. So it's, a hundred percent. And the other thing I got to get better with, and I guess this is more, it's not mental, but it's just golf awareness is it don't really matter what my lie is. I think I can make the shot <laughs> sometimes. Like if you snap it sure. left, it's like, okay, yeah, you even, you only have one fifty still, maybe it's a short hole, but in my mind, I'm like, ah, that lies not that bad. And it, friends of mine are like, why are you even trying to go for the green out of that lie? That's so <laughs> dumb. And I still yeah. like full send. Let's go. So let me go back to the putting green for one second. Yes. And we've got a bunch of entourage stuff to get to too. But I think this is important because I want this to be as beneficial and fun for you as it is our listeners. Yeah, who are I'm playing about tomorrow. This for their game. So whatever, whatever you guys tell me is coming yeah. with me tomorrow. Implementing so, it. So we know you clearly there's more confidence in an area we, where you have better outcomes in the past than previously. We can't just tell ourselves feel as confident as you are on the greens on the tee box because that doesn't feel real, right? But we might be able to find some behaviors that you do on the putting green that might help you that has led to good results, which has bred the confidence. So I know you stand up to an eight-footer and you think, I can make this, which is awesome. Can you think about what your routine is? Like, what do you do when you when you step into a putt? Walk us through... Do you read a putt? Do you go down? Do you look at it both ways? Do you take practice strokes? Like walk us through what you do on the putting green. Yeah. If I'm, if I'm still in a good mental place, which is, this is probably a part I need to work on. Yeah. I will look at it from both sides because both sides tell a different story usually. Uh, but where I falter is when I'm, when I have those two or three bad holes in a row and I'm off rhythm, it's like, I'm only looking from one side cause I'm just pissed. So I need to work on sticking with the same routine, but typically on the green. Yes. I will, you know, clean the ball off a little bit. I will look from both sides, get my, get my read. And then I'm really just, it stuck with me. Like Earl Woods always telling Tiger of like, paint the picture in your mind of putt the, the picture and the putt, yeah. paint the picture. Mm. So I, I, I that's what I kind of will do. And, it, but I don't paint a picture. I use the video game in my mind, video game, you know, Tiger Woods, PGA. Oh, the little they give you things those, going yeah, down. They, yeah, I just try to find those little lines, like where the slope is or whatever, and just see the putt and uh, and lock it in and go. Yeah, and like I said, my in my mind, when I'm making that stroke, it's like 
this is going to go in or really flirt with going in. That's always been my thoughts. So this uh, is really good. Repetition, this you is know, so good. intention, visualization. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Now, <laughs> now this is going to be fun. What do you do when you step on the tee box? Do you I'm going to fast picture? forward to like fourth hole. Like I said, I'm going to give you yeah. kind of the worst thing. Cause uh, no, I don't. Uh, honestly, a lot of my thoughts are like, God, just fucking get this out there. Yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> mother of God, just get yeah. it out there, please. Or like, you know what? Hit your little 235 yard fade. You know where it's going. Um, but yeah, for the most part, the thoughts are like, don't fucking snap hook it. You know, yep. don't swing like a dick. Stay on balance. Like it's all negative thoughts. There's nothing in it that's like, I see the shot and I execute it. I, I, I don't go to that place. Just feel like you're bad. So, yeah, yeah. So this is so good. This is what we all do. But it's so funny how you might think so many of our listeners think I'm a good putter. I'm a bad driver. Right. And that could be true. But think about what you do on the putting green. You have a routine of a single digit handicap on the putting green. 100%. Off the tee, you're doing the exact opposite. Yes. Right. And so one thing that's really helpful that I've both of us have have learned over the years is the way the brain works. This is probably unlike any interview you've ever done. No, I stick love with it. Us. This is great. The brain is like you're a kid in class in school, right? You're in fourth grade or even high school, let's say. And the, the teacher says something and you turn to your neighbor and you're like, what are we supposed to do? Right? How do you think you do on that type of assignment versus when you get clear instructions and you know exactly what to do next? Right. So on the greens, you're giving your brain clear instructions on the tee box. Your brain is like that German teacher in the front with given no instruction. And by the way, there's tension because the tension is saying, don't do this. This is what right. ruins our round. This is what pisses me off. This is what keeps me from becoming the golfer I want to be. It's an entirely different state. So the funny thing is, is you think you need to figure out how to fix a snap hook. But the ironic thing is if you treated everything like a video game, which is something that you naturally love to do and you do on the on the greens, you could make the tee box more fun and think, I'm going to paint a picture and try and execute it. And you're not going to always. Right. But then when you miss one, you can start asking yourself, okay, did I paint a picture? Oh, no, I didn't. I was thinking about not snap hooking it. Interesting. All right. On the next shot, let's see if I can paint a picture and see if that makes a difference. It's a totally different way to play and nothing's changed in your swing. That's what's so interesting about this. I love that. And I'm literally going to like, once we're done, I'm going to put that all in my notes app and set that <laughs> as a reminder. Uh, right you got that local hole. audio. Oh, but that's exactly. not for me. Exactly. I'll, we'll send you the audio after. But, um, and I have a question for the for the two of you too, because um, I know people have done research on on this with golfers and stuff like that. Is is can you really go into a shot saying don't do this? Like, does the brain compute don't do this, or does the brain and the body only compute do this? Because yeah. a lot of the time on the team, my thoughts are what don't do instead well, of what I try. I'll, I'll yeah. piggyback off what you're doing. Yeah. So John Rahm, sports psychologist, has been on the show five times. Yeah. And he said, 
when people say the brain doesn't hear don't it just hears water is complete bs okay, but good. by saying don't you're creating tension in the body mm -hmm. because you're giving signals to your brain of danger i'm trying to prevent something from happening because of x y and z versus when you say hit it at that left branch up on those trees and i'm going to try and fade it back You've given your brain clear direction, and a lot of times your body responds with the picture that you give it. It's like why Bob Rotella on the show, who is Rory's sports psychologist and LeBron, yeah. he told us, if I ask you to throw this ball over that tree, do you think about your elbow and your shoulder angle? Or do you just look at the top of the tree and you throw it over the tree? Just launch it. <laughs> now, we got a ton of comments, and people are like, well, throwing a ball is not nearly as technical as a golf swing, which is true, but it's a great reminder of how our bodies work ideally, right? It's see it, do it. That's that's the ideal way to do it. What what can you add, sir? But that's great, Avenger. I would just say like you, the bad thoughts are always going to be there. The, you, you you don't work to don't work to block them out. You've got to realize they're there. The way you combat it is through a great routine, right? Great yeah. visualization. Vocalization, I have found works for me when I play a really good golf. All right, you know, driver, little cut off, like I said, a little cut off, cut off the side of the bunker, you know, and just saying that to me because th what that's doing is combating the bad thoughts. Like I don't have to, I don't, there's not time. There's, there's not no room. It, there's no room, no room to that. be so, so you can't say stop, stop, stop. Just like, okay. So I feel, but I have a routine that I can rely on that I need to repeat. And that's, that's the key thoughts. Uh, so many, I mean, just to show you how much of a, uh, in my head person I am, you mentioned throwing a ball over a tree and I instantly thought tomorrow night I'm uh, tonight, actually I'm throwing out the first pitch yeah. at the guardians game in Cleveland. Everybody turn on the guardians game. Well, I'm only saying it because you want to talk about overthinking. All I got to do is just throw the ball to the catcher. I've thrown a ball to someone 60 feet away a thousand times in my life. But I am thinking of all the ways I could screw it up. Don't hold on to it too long. Don't sail it. Just, try, you know, put the arm in the slot. I, I'm thinking of all these things. And sure enough, when I go out with my buddy and throw a few, I'm like, yeah, all those things are starting to happen. Where I, When I'm just not thinking and like just play catch just throw it at the catcher's face mask. It's just all bullets popping the glove. So when you said to throw the ball over the tree, I'm like, yeah, you're right. And if you told me to throw a ball over a tree, I wouldn't think too sad. I'd just fire it over the tree. But if yeah. you give me stakes, it just changes everything. And I think that's For what sure. golf is. Golf is stakes, you know, each hole, whether it's a match you're in or you're a match with yourself or a score you're trying to get to, it's, it's the stakes that, for me, fog up the brain. All right, stay seated. We're going to take another quick break and then we'll get you right back to the show. I just wanted to remind you guys that we've got a ton of amazing merchandise drops planned coming up for the rest of the year. And the best way, the really the only way now to access the merchandise drops is to be on our email list. So go to thepartrain.com and sign up to the email list. It's totally free. I'll send an email every Monday with just one thought, insight, or thing that we're pondering to keep you on track during the week. But maybe even more importantly, you get access to the new hats. I might even have the greatest ball marker ever made coming out very soon. Thepartrain.com. 
join our email list because only our email subscribers now get access to our merchandise drops. All right, let's get back to the show. You know, Ev, another one I thought of for golf, like if you play in a golf course with a body of water and you just tee it off, off the cliff and just hit it in the water, you're going to just rip it. Right. <laughs> right. You're just, right. so it's like, what did that swing feel like versus the dog leg left, you know, 400 yards with the bunkers everywhere. And it's I just two to totally play. different feelings and thought processes. And, and it's just like, how do I, so how can I capture that? Capture those feelings. Just you have to know go if back. I put up a 79 tomorrow, your guys' phones are going to be lighting up. I'm going to email. I'm going to be video. I'm going to be bombarding you with like, the shit was the best. It worked. I put up a Because all you got to do is play a video game. That's it. That's what you yeah. do naturally. That's what you love to do. You know? Yeah. And, you do, and you do it. You're simulator king. I, mean, I don't I know what it is, man. Me. I'm telling you. You could ask ask around about me on a, on a sim you know, 74, 75, like effortlessly putting Are you up putting 70. on the sim too. Cause so I, I found this one sim. I actually don't, I know the name of the place. I don't name of the brand of the sim. Um, uh, I could find out it's the only one I've seen that the putting is really good. And you don't right. always have to putt to the screen. Like if you have a seven foot putt, you could literally just put it seven feet in front of you. You don't have to go all that's the way cool. to the screen. So the yeah, putting feels cool. a little, it little still never feels great, but it yeah. feels it feels okay for the most part, but you're also having a flat lie and everything is off a of mat. Like there's, you know, so you could add the 10 strokes right there. Yeah. Well, it's funny, Jerry, we literally just recorded with uh, John Sherman yesterday who wrote the four foundations of golf and mm -hmm. amazing Twitter follow. And he just made the U S mid am, which is like the national championship of amateur golf, 25 and older. And he got a terrible draw playing in the rain, constant delays. And sir, what did he tell us? The difference between him and the, and John's a what? Plus two? Plus two, plus three, yeah. Um, the difference between him and the guy that made it into match play was he just kept plotting along regardless wow. of what would happen, right? And so it would be funny and interesting for you to test, like, um, and that's the hardest part about the game, right? To not let previous misses impact your routine or your approach the rest of the round like what if each time you treat it as a new level on a game and you just okay but did i do my thing or did i not do my thing that i know helps me and you just keep coming back to that thing that you think helps you whether that's tempo whether that's painting a picture whatever that thing is that's um, what you can lean on that's like, what you yeah. can lean on throughout the rounds. It's not your routines. You're not going to be as pissed off. I think, um, cause it sounds like you probably haven't even thought about the mental side of the game. Right. And most times people's or first experience with the mental game can get the biggest gains because it gives you a toolbox to lean on regardless of what's happening around you. Well, I, I would ask both of you, is this considered mental game or is this as considered like you made a smart decision? You know, this round I had last week, which I said was the first time I said, come hell or high water, I'm hitting the 235 yard fade. Okay. It was a new course. It was a nice club. I'm playing with guys I didn't really know. I didn't want to look like an asshole. And like I said, other than I made three bad decisions, not off the tee, that was an eight and a six and a six. And I ended up with an 89. Could have easily been an 81 if I just plot, which is a great round for me. Is that part? Is that? would you say that falls into mental category or is that like, Hey, you just made a smart decision. You committed to the shot that, you know, 
you swing away and it's not gonna, you know, you have control of it. Cause I think a lot, I think I'm a bit of a control freak. Is that considered mental it's, or just a it, smart decision? It's a great question. This is great. Uh, like there's two parts, I think two big areas of the mental game. There's like, well, a lot of people think the emotions, right? Not getting yeah. angry on the golf course. <laughs> yeah. Right. And that's a huge part, angry, sad. So that's one part, but also strategic decision-making is the other part of the mental game. So I always, you got to manage them both and they oftentimes overlap and intersect poor decisions can happen because you're too angry from the last shot. That's what I was going to say. I made the decision to do that. So it's a course management that gets rolled into it. I made the decision to play the, in my opinion, um, unflattering 235 yard fade off the tee. I don't love that flight. Fairway finder. But fairway finder and it kept, it keeps me from the snap hook, which is what makes me angry. So that's why I'm connecting it to the mental. I was trying to say, you know, I'm not even going to give myself the chance to be angry. But I think if I'm understanding you guys correctly, to get to that next level of getting down to an eight, I have to be able to have the balls to hit shots that will get me angry and work through the anger. It's just like life. This is just therapy. I've had the same conversation about the way I was raised. Well, you know? we're going to get to DJ Khaled in a second, uh, which might be a Let's segue. Let's go golfing. <laughs> yeah. But I think the, the, I think you're spot on. The thing is, is that it's not necessarily trying to avoid anger. We all have things that piss us off. The, the difference is it's getting, I'm going to throw a Ted Lasso quote at you. Okay, it's getting it. curious, not judgmental, Right. That is like, if you just did that, that is a huge shift because instead of you having anger for three holes, how can you be angry at something if you don't even know why you did it? So then the question is, okay, well, I hit the snap hook. That's Serm's least favorite shot too. My least favorite is the high right. I I actually like, I don't care if I miss it left. Um, But then the question is, Okay. Was I thinking about not snap hooking it? Yes, I was. Okay. I just got incredible intel for my video game. The next shot, I'm going to focus on where I want to hit it. And I'm going to paint a picture and I'm going to match that picture. Let's say you go the next time you snap hook it. Shit. I was thinking about my, my right. That's worst case scenario. I was doing the right thing and I still did it. Still did. Yeah. I'm fucked. Now I'm really angry. Because I did the thing the guys on the par train said, and I snap hooked it anyways. Okay, let's get more curious. Maybe I got a little quick. So in the next one, I'm going to focus on painting my picture. Or maybe I just didn't like the shape of the tempo. hole. Yeah, it's or maybe just a I was hard uncomfortable. Shot for me. And it's yeah. just, <laughs> that, that's golf. Right? You know? <laughs> but you see the difference of like trying to gain intel yes. versus get pissed. Surviving, just surviving. You can get pissed. It's <laughs> a good point. Go ahead and get pissed, but yeah. then get intel. You got it. Right. I think that's the key. But I actually, this is a funny transition. I was going to ask you, you played golf with DJ Khaled, who obviously Mm -hmm. in the golf world is now everywhere. And it's funny. A lot of people give him shit for, you know, hitting a drive and yelling. That was beautiful. But I actually think there's actually something to that. Like he genuinely fucking appreciates a great shot. Whereas most golfers, our 5% shots, right, are really yeah. good ones. We say to ourselves, where the hell was that all day? So we're expecting our five to be our 95, whereas DJ Khaled 
is actually like really grateful every time he hits one of the great ones. So I want to ask you, playing golf with him, is there anything that you think more of us should do like DJ Khaled? And he sticks the finish too, which I love. <laughs> well, first of all, I think that's also dream guest for you guys. And I'll try to help you with that if I ever could, because, uh, yeah, you know, awesome. I had met him years and years ago um, briefly. So I was doing that thing for BetMGM and Scratch where we're trying to like, you know, teach people about Stableford and other matches you could have if you're not a great golfer and other ways you could still compete without being a, a, a one or a two handicap. So I didn't know what to expect. I'd, I'd started looking at his Instagram. I know he just started playing golf. All I will say is all of his stuff right down the middle. Let's go. It is a hundred percent authentic. He is not doing it to sell t-shirts, even though he might sell millions. Um, he loves the game. And when he says, <laughs> I want to make the PGA tour in five years, he believes that like he's saying that and it's authentic. I mean, maybe probably in the back of his mind, he knows it's not ultimately realistic, but maybe, maybe senior tour, you know, he hit a lot of bad shots that day. And I have never seen someone more positive after a bad shot. And the good mm. shots he hit that were, in reality, just sort of okay shots, he was so excited. Wow. And yeah. it was a really eye-opening experience. And I, I will tell anyone, for all the hate he gets or whatever BS he that guy is great for golf. We got to mm. be yeah. thankful Agreed. that DJ Khaled came and found golf. Amazing. The enthusiasm is real. He now schedules his whole life, like takes all his calls, all that stuff. And like the golf is scheduled in. He plays every single day if he's not doing something with music that takes him out. So I would say, yeah, you want to poke fun at the right down the middle and sure. But it is all authentic with him. He loves the game. He's great for golf. And he is so positive. We're playing against each other. I'm hitting. I, I stick a good shot in there. And he was happy for me. Really yeah. happy for me. You know so, what it makes it me awesome think cool of? Experience. So cool. It makes me think of Jerry almost the Vince mentality. Right. From Entourage. Yes. Right? Like no matter what would happen in Entourage, Vince was always like, you know what? If it's meant to be, it'll be. We always got Queens. And like the group kind of rallied around Vince's positivity. Um, I think the sometimes with the mental game, people get the wrong idea that it means you just have to be positive all the time. And right be walking in a meadow and seeing everything as a meditation. It's not necessarily true, um, right. but you got to know if the snap hook pisses you off and it lasts four holes, you know, maybe there is a way to make that last one hole and then maybe it lasts five minutes and then maybe it lasts 30 seconds. Right. So yeah. it'd be, it'd be interesting. To see I, for I, sure. I, when I've when I've gone there and had some of my worst rounds, that when that chain reaction of one bad shot to another, I know after like when I'm in the the third hole of that mess, I'm saying to myself, "This ain't it," and it's yeah. not the physical part. Like, yes, my I don't have the most beautiful swing, but I know on the mental side of the way I'm playing, I'm like, I know this isn't where I need to be. You do have a good swing. Yeah, you cannot play this way. I just know it when I'm in the third hole of that spiral. I know I'm like, yeah, this is. This is the moment where you need the tools to pull yourself out and grind out this round because this this is not it right now. Yeah, and uh, it's hard. It's easier said than done, but that's why I love what you guys are doing and saying because you almost got me believing I could shave off three four strokes just from mastering some of these tools you're talking oh, about. Oh, easily. Yeah, easily. Have I, know, I know we got just a little time left, Jerry. I just had one question for a fun question because I know you love to yeah. gamble on the course. Like love it. 
most of us, it's, it's the best. Like something about it. golf and team games. What is your go-to team game that you like to, you know, wager the yeah, stakes? Yeah, I don't for? know what are the official. I don't know. Is it is it called like a NASA? I don't know. I love yeah. front yeah. back overall. NASA, yeah. Match play, yeah. To me, because it's it's kind of three games in one. You could completely fall apart on a hole, and it doesn't kill you. You can completely fall apart on a side. And it doesn't ultimately kill you. It leaves you a press. It just keeps you in it. Presses end yeah. of the nines for total. There's a lot of just action. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, that's why I don't always love. I mean, I skins games are fun and stuff like that, but um, I don't know. I just, I, I see that. That's why I love the Ryder cup so much. And I'm super yeah. excited. I don't know when this is going to air, but I just love that idea of it's a team concept. You're playing off each other and you know, you could be down three after six and be like, all right, we still got a shot in the front. The overall is getting out of hand, but we got to. So even if we don't win the front, we could limit the damage on the overall. And we know we have a fresh bet starting on 10. I just totally. think it's for me, give me that all the time. I, I don't need another game. Almost. I love lone wolf and I'm stable for and all that stuff, but I don't need another game. That's my game. Yeah, totally. Well, I know we might go a couple minutes over. That's all good. You're I'm okay good. with you that. You guys are good. Yeah. I promised everybody some entourage questions. So let's finish <laughs> with some entourage questions. Let's do it. Um, Favorite episode. If you could only watch one episode for the rest of your life, what would you pick? Uh, that is definitely a tough furry? one. Um, <laughs> no, like, as fun as that was, and as much as the furry episode was like, what the fuck are we doing here? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Uh, and that is an episode. I always judge it too on what fans over the years, what episodes they've thrown at me. Um, but I, I'm going to keep it. This is in my top three. I can't say I have that one, but I'm going to go with the Tom Brady golf episode. Mm. And this is a golf show. So maybe I'm leaning into that a little bit, but that sure. episode, I mean, you know, we were on a golf course for the entire day. And uh, of course I was actually playing holes when, with the crew, when we weren't shooting, it just was a great time. And Brady was awesome. So uh, yeah, I'm going to go with was that. that a, that's a good one. Was that a Wahlberg insertion? Cause obviously it started, I've learned from other interviews. It started as like a more direct, um, you know, replica of his life. And then obviously yeah. Vince is not him or Adrian is not him. They kind of had to create his own version of him and your guys's own version of that. But if you think about it, especially in the early seasons, golf is really a focal point of the show. It's, I think it's in the pilot or the it's second episode in the pilot. Yeah. We're hitting, hitting balls off that, the roof, right? Hitting balls off the roof. And I think if you look at that episode, I might be wrong. I might even be wearing the glove on the wrong hand. That's how much I didn't give a crap about golf at that point. I was 23 <laughs> years old. I still was fresh out of Brooklyn. But yeah, I, I do think that is even pulled from Mark's life. I think Mark used to hit golf balls, like living in the hills. Uh, yeah, Got I think you know, one of the lines is like, bang, Spidey. He hits it off yeah, Toby yeah. McGuire's roof. So golf yeah. was always a part of it. Um, and then even in that episode, um, that episode was actually supposed to be uh, Eli and Peyton Manning versus Vince and Johnny drama, brother versus brother. The Mannings wanted to be on the show. They called to be on the show, but for whatever reason, they had to pull out. So that's where having Wahlberg oh. as your EP, he comes in and is like, well, you want me to call Tom? And we're like, well, Tom, who are you talking about? Tom, Tom Tupa? Which Tom are you talking about? He's like, Brady. He's <laughs> like, yeah, call him. Tom and this Tupa was the year the Brady had just gotten, he's coming off the injury. No one's seen them in a year. So, and he came on and did the episode. And that golf is such a part of LA 
and is a lot of a big part of Hollywood. And I think it is how deals used to get made. And if you go look at the old Bob Hope stuff and the Bing Crosby stuff, it always was in the fabric of Hollywood. So it became a natural thing to work it into the show. Yeah, That's I cool. love it. Even yeah, I think before Jimmy Kimmel, you guys uh, were it's on in that course. episode. Yeah, yeah, it's in there from the beginning. It's, it's throughout a lot. Right. It's in there from the um, beginning. Okay, next one. Favorite line <laughs> for me Could be or you just or in another the show. character just in the show. <laughs> God, I have so mine many. that I'll say um, after yours. And we could curse on this, right? Oh yeah. <laughs> one line that gets said to me all the time is what and rest in peace. He passed away. Bob Saget, who was an absolute mm. legend, uh, became a friend from doing the show. And in his first episode, you know, I learn. I look at Johnny drama, Kevin Dillon. I say, did you just get cock blocked by Bob Saget? Like never in my life. If I would have thought as a kid watching full house, like I did every Friday night, did I think I would have that line on a TV show with Danny Tanner, AKA Bob Saget. So that's one that people they'll shout that at me in the street. That and in the Tom Brady episode, I'm going to tell Tom Brady sucks balls was yeah. those two get yelled at me everywhere I go. I love that. Mine is <laughs> mine is you brought your own robe. Why wouldn't I? Why, what? Okay, that's <laughs> the a Vegas great episode example. with drama. Yeah, Evan, that's a great example of how brilliant Kevin Dillon is. And he's actually Kevin Dillon, like legit seven handicap, I believe. But that's a line when you we would read, you know, we do table readings and you see that line in the script. That was not a funny line when you're just reading it. It doesn't, but him and his delivery and the way he had such command of that character. Yeah. The, why wouldn't I is there's layers to it. It's hilarious. So, yeah, but that's one that I think only he could make funny. Yeah, you're right. I think the Bob Saget is so great too, because right. Danny Tanner, like the innocent dad, and then him as a comedian, he, you know, just like so raunchy, so, you know, funny and like for you to say yeah, that we're, I think we're, that we're is, at like a you know a speakeasy kind of bordello almost and bob Saget's yeah. there it's incredible yeah yeah super cool our mitzvah was an incredible episode the smoke um, more, more weed turtle also gets yeah thrown at me all yes, the, that that meme, was that meme that's one of my top threes to that gets sent to me all the time that's incredible um okay i know the subpar guys asked you about the reboot so I'm not going to mm -hmm. ask you it in the same way. What I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you not what you think they would do, but I'm going to ask you if you were writing it with Doug Allen side by side, what do you think would be the the best reboot concept? And, you know, I, I, I wrote a couple of episodes in the final season. Writing is something I've always loved. And Doug gave me that opportunity. And Doug's brilliant. And, I, you know, Doug, everyone always even thought with like, Jeremy's character with Ari, like, oh, that's all improv. It's like, no, Doug wrote all that stuff. Uh, God, what would it be? Uh, well, for my character, I believe, because, you know, he ends up very rich, obviously, and we saw in the movies, Rich, I think Turtle gets completely buried in a crypto transaction. I oh. think he loses a lot of his fortune. He went in on some NFT art piece that, you know, paid 40 million thinking it was going to be, you know, a billionaire and just gets cleaned out. So I think he's starting yep. over from the beginning. And it's tough because, and that's what became tough about doing the show in general toward the end with the Vince character. It's like we propped him up and knocked him down so many times that, you know, what new could you do for him? I almost think you have to focus on the Johnny drama, on E, on Turtle, and on Ari to a degree. And I also think you have to maybe bring in a new 
younger castmate, like uh, whether it's a nephew or a cousin and whether it's in music or sports, maybe it's a young golfer and like focus on, I know golfers have entourages and teams of people that are their friends that work for them. I think maybe sort of what Cobra Kai did, you have the old heads, you have Machio and you have Johnny, but you have the new young cast. Yeah. They're just the resident old heads. I think you could do that model with entourage. Jerry, maybe Turtle gets a call on the back nine. He's having the best round of his life, you know, and he's going broke because of his, his crypto. Right. You, you, and then, you know, it's selling you that. And then it goes selling south. for 90% less. <laughs> but he still puts up a good round because he was on the Par Train podcast and he got some mental health help on the golf course. He still right. finishes with a 79. There I love go. that. It would be interesting to see what is Johnny Drama's life after winning a Golden Globe. Like that's obviously a big, I know yeah. that's kind of like the peak what he turns into, right? <laughs> right? So where do you go from that? But, um, it's that tough would be interesting also to with, see. with Johnny drama too quickly. He he's at his best when things are bad, like when right. he's on the hunt. So I think you also would have to, he would have to have an impeccable fall from grace, I think, right. or maybe that's in the reboot. He's here on top and then you in the movie or the, whatever the show version, he falls from the top because when when Johnny Drama is hurting and struggling, it's it's brilliant comedy. Yeah. Yeah. OK, before we kick it to you and sign off, one last question. One of the craziest things that's ever happened in either of Serm and I's life is the day that Mark Wahlberg started following us. And I'll never forget it. I was just like, is this this has got to be like a, a an impersonating account, a fan page, whatever. Um, we've never talked to him. We've never, you know, gone back and forth. And so we wanted to get your take. What's the move? He follows us. If we wanted Marky Mark on the show, do I need to be wearing municipal and be drinking? Yes, I'm wearing the hat right there he is, you know, I mean, that'd be um, a good start. What, <laughs> what do you think is our best strategy for all those part train passengers out there that would love to hear from Mark Wahlberg on this show? What what would your strategy be if you were us? Okay. Uh so I think just the cold call DM, like, hey, we love you. We see you follow us. Come on. Like, I think that's a low percentage shot, but still yeah. a shot. But I mean, I don't even, you know, what are the odds Mark even reads his DMs? Probably right. zero. So that's low percentage. You could take that swing. Um, look, I'm not gonna lie, this will maybe help because. This will be on social. He follows you. He'll see me. So he'll know like, yep. oh, all right, Jerry. So these guys must be cool. If Ferrara <laughs> did it, they must be, you know, they they must be, you know, they're not out to get me. You no, know, the minute also too, I feel like when you're at that level, you know, someone's not trying to get like the aha moments with you. Like we tripped you up right. into saying something dumb that automatically relaxes it. And um, I, I think, uh, I think maybe you got to ask someone who was on your show to maybe try and help tee it up for you. I think that might be your best philosophy. I can't say I would hundred percent do it. Maybe if I put up a 79 tomorrow and your methods wow. help, maybe I, I drop. Well, that's what I was going to say, say. Hey. the domino effect of this show could be crazy. <laughs> Jerry could be shooting 78 tomorrow. Yeah. Let's make it 78. DJ Khaled might come on the show. <laughs> he might bring Mark with him. Who knows what will happen on the par train after this? But we're going to kick it to you, Jerry, to sign off. I know we went over time. Um, of all the things we talked about today, what do you think is 
the biggest takeaway for you for all the golfers listening who might struggle with a snap hook or getting down on themselves and it lasting a few holes. What is the biggest takeaway for you? And then tell people where to follow you. Uh, the biggest takeaway for me is, and whatever out there listening, whatever your thing is, whether you're like me and it's the tee box and you see your shadow like a groundhog and it's going to be a long winter, uh, <laughs> whatever it is that messes with you is having the tools, like the other, the other club in the bag. Like, hey, we're going to let you carry an extra club. The thing you could take out of the bag that will help reset you and ground you and like maybe it was just a bad shot. You know, maybe you're not destined to hit the bad shot. Maybe it was just a bad shot. Having the tools to fall back on to hit the reset button and get control of your emotions on whatever your weak point is, whatever the thing that you go into saying, damn, I have this shot and I hate this shot, but here we are. Whatever those things are, I'm going to fall back on that and really just try to visualize it as a video game. And um, that's what I'm going into this round tomorrow thinking and try not to be like the don't do this, don't do that. That's, you know, one thing for strategy. It's another thing for survival. So those are the things I'm going with. I would tell everyone out there too to, you know, figure out what your tools are, what that extra club is in the bag that will help reset and ground you after you hit the dreaded shot you are avoiding the whole round. That's one. And then I guess, uh, you know, get to my sweet spot, get to my strengths, you know, try to approach everything in that same routine as a putt, you know, try to make that first tee shot, the same routine I would do on a putt. Look at it from a few different ways, get your paint, your picture and just go. And as far as following me, look, I'm just on all just my name, Jerry Ferraro on Twitter, Instagram, all that stuff. I've been doing some live shows, talking sports, because as we know, we were just on strike, and now hopefully that's ending so we could all get back to work. But uh, I still need a venue to talk about sports. So, uh, but love what you guys do, and keep up the good work. And yeah, you're gonna be your phones will be blowing up if I'm flirting with, uh, you know, cracking eighty and getting into the seventies. I can't wait. Well, you're welcome back anytime. This was great. So I thanks appreciate so much, it. Uh, yeah, keep up the good work. Great to meet you.